Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2002 movie starring Tom Cruise, Minority Report. We talk about the future tech in this movie, what's close to what we will probably have, and what already looks dated. (laughs) We talk about all the strange and wild characters in this movie and how it aged in our mind. We talk about the moral of the story. Is there one that we can actually pull into today's world? All that and more on Movies on the Side. Nate, it is unacceptable that this movie is almost 20 years old. This makes me feel very old. Very, very old. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) I had to look up when this movie was made because I was curious. This movie, Minority Report, starring Tom Cruise, purports to be in the year 2054, I think. Long after you and I have expired. That's right. Well, it's 2050-something. And I thought to myself... You know, that doesn't seem too futurist because that's just 30 years away from now. But then I thought when this movie came out, it adds a whole 20 years of distance. And I I don't know what to do with that fact, Nate. (laughs) I don't know what to do. I am very excited to talk to you about the future tech in this movie. Because I think there are some things that I think if they were to go back and remake what 2050 would be like now, there are some things they'd change. I think there would be some things that change. Nate, we need to talk about the future aspect and technology of this movie. We need to talk about the moral of this movie. Oh, man. And we need to talk about that weird lady with the plants. We have to talk about all of that. First, what do you think this movie from 2002 got on Rotten Tomatoes? (sighs) I'm conflicted on what I think this got because, honestly... (laughs) I'm a little conflicted between the last viewing of this movie I had, which was probably in, I don't know, 2006. Right. I probably saw it on like a Blu-ray or something when it first, Mm -hmm. Blu-ray first came out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now, in the year 2021, I am conflicted. So I'm going to say critics gave it like a (laughs) 61. (laughs) Critics gave it a 90. This is certified <gasps> fresh, Nate. Oh, boy. Certified fresh. Okay. And then audience, I'm in the audience, I'm going to say, is probably up there, too. 85? Yeah, audience gave it an 80. Yeah. Somehow, yeah. critics gave it more. This is a Steven Spielberg film. You get that vibe right away. And, uh, Nate, I feel like, listeners, if you've never seen this movie, first of all, it's on Amazon Prime Video. You should go watch it. It's free. You don't have to rent it as of right now. Number two, there's going to be spoilers because this movie is, as I said, 20 years old. But number three, the premise of this movie is that two twins and another girl are in this pool of milk, they call it, which is gross. I'm glad you are not writing the summary of this movie. (laughs) And it takes place in the future. Three siblings float around in a pool of milk, and Tom Cruise runs around with gloves on for some of it. (laughs) The end. They can see the future, but only murders that are going to take place that is the only future that they see and so in the future we have something called pre-crime where tom cruise and his merry band of merry men (laughs) try to stop murders before they happen but spoiler alert free will and determination is a messy business that should have been the summary line nate right there (laughs) that would have (laughs) 
Could have yeah, been a tagline seems, on the cover. <laughs> seems really interesting. Definitely going to draw people into the theaters. Well, it'll draw me. You want to talk about free will and pre- predestination in 2002? <laughs> okay, let's talk about the future tech. This is 2054, and so many things are clearly not going to happen in the next 30 years. <laughs> let's talk about some things that we think could happen and some okay. things that okay. I think uh, they missed on. Okay. Now that we're almost halfway to that future time. That's right. I think the way that Tom Cruise and others watch video, mm-hmm. which is by putting a gla- like a piece of glass <laughs> in a plastic like rotary device, like an old school projector, but then it projects like a 3D hologram image. That's not very good. It's not very good. I feel like that's the closest thing to the future that they got because we're now in the era of virtual reality a la the oculus and augmented reality is a thing i feel like that's the closest to coming to predicting something that was going to happen 20 years later what do you think about that i think it's close for maybe the projection but i think when it comes to actual physical discs like the idea that files at all are kept on a physical thing yeah even if it's made of glass i feel like that was the thought of like well we're still gonna obviously use like (laughs) floppy disk cartridges they're just gonna be clear (laughs) and glass where it's like nah we won't have physical and you won't have physical glass screens like there won't be right And so in the police station, he works with, what is that guy's name? Jeb? His like, his counterpart. Oh, minion, minion number three. I think that's his name. Jed. Jed is like the technician guy that helps him when he's doing the like, Mm -hmm. you know, because the big glass screen where he has the gloves, that was very impressionable from this movie. Okay, Jed, what's coming? Red Bull, double homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white 40s. It didn't age as well this time around. I did think to myself, like, ah, not as cool. I'm pretty sure, like, someone could build this just fine now. Right. So that was kind of it. And that was more like an augmented virtual reality thing, too, which is okay. But again, that was very iconic for the time. I mean, that's literally the movie poster and a lot of the things is Tom Cruise with the little gloves. Yep. But there's that one point where Jad, like... He has to move something from his screen to Tom Cruise's screen. Tom Cruise is like, bring that over here. And Jed like literally has to remove a piece of glass from his screen and put it behind Tom Cruise's. And I was like, we have airdrop today where you can just send something from your phone to your computer. I don't think you would need to physically it. And we had the internet back in 2002. So they knew there was a way to send data. Yeah. Not through cartridges. Anyway, yeah. it's based on a Philip K. Dick uh, short story. So maybe oh, uh, Mr. Dick said, hey, um, he moved things over to the <laughs> other screen. Okay. Uh, yeah, other sure. other future tech. Maglev cars. I feel like we're not we're not getting there. I don't think that's the future. I mean, it's interesting, though. I'm not sure if it looks cool in a movie, but I'm not sure that having cars just kind of fly over top of and then become a vertical road. Right. I'm not sure if that's super practical. I'm not sure where that no. gets you. Exactly. I mean, self-driving, yes, but the, the mechanism for those cars, I feel like, meh. And they're not going to look like that. They have little Bluetooth headsets, which watching it now is like, sure. oh yeah, sure. they just have normal headsets. And then I thought, oh yeah, this was future tech. That's right. In 2002, to have a little thing put in your ear. Now I'm wearing AirPods that yeah. are probably more advanced than what they thought oh, in this absolutely, movie. absolutely. Oh, I remember back in the day, a bespoke Bluetooth headset that had like the little stem coming out. 
That was when you knew you were doing it. Remember when we were worried that people would look like they weren't in their right mind when they were talking to themselves, and now (laughs) everyone talks to themselves all the time? That's no longer a concern. No longer a concern. Now, Nate, here's here's the thing I want to touch on about the future that I think the movie got closer than they realized. Maybe not one-to-one correlation, but once Tom Cruise escapes and he and he's being hunted by the police mm-hmm. things and he's walking through like malls and through public transport, there are retinal scanners everywhere. Everywhere. Yep, yep, yep. I had that written down too. <laughs> and the retinal scanner lets you on the train. The retinal scanner can make billboards that are digital then say your name and advertise to you, which Tom Cruise's character name is John Anderton. And the movie, like once he's passing these billboards, he's like, John Anderton, have you ever thought about taking a vacation? Yep. John Anderton. Whether it's retinal scanners or not, or just our phones identifying us. Just facial scanners, yeah. The targeted advertisement and ability to be tracked, I feel like is probably the closest idea this movie came to touching the future. Good evening. This is an interesting thing because this movie definitely uses kind of dystopian level, again, Philip K. Dick story, dystopian level future, and yet... I wonder what, in 2002, different brands and products thought about being included <laughs> in this future movie. Like, right. Lexus paid money to be in this, oh, have their oh, concept yes. car. Yes. Pretty sure they gave, here, Lexus reportedly paid $5 million to be in this. Oh, my Nokia goodness. is supposed to have spent $2 million mm. for, like, handsets and stuff. Wow. But I do think that some of it's like, do you really want to be the brand who goes like, hey, John Anderton, buy Alexis? Right, right. I'm not sure if we want to be part of that. Uh, the last thing I just want to say is in his apartment, we see a French press on his kitchen island. Uh-huh. And I just say that obviously the coffee snobs have made it to the future. Right. I think we'll still have we'll still have French presses. You know, it should be just a cartridge that you wheeze like the uh like the drug that he uses. That's how you get oh, your coffee in the clarity. future. But clarity. Clarity. Clarity, that's what it's called. Um yes. I think that like you said, I think the eye scan is accurate. I'm not sure there will be malls to walk around in <laughs> in the year twenty fifty four. No, 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 no. Malls people are gonna I mean, be at home. <laughs> Malls are already dying a slow death. So, oh, and the last thing I have, yes. the eye scan spiders. That feels, oh, that yeah. feels very doable in thirty years. Yeah, if we're gonna have eye scanning, like having like the authorities have something that crawls into your, I thought those were pretty cool. Yes, those were one of the coolest parts. The most I remembered from my earlier viewing as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Everything else about the police force is ludicrous, like jetpacks and like six six sticks. Honestly looks really bad it looks really like bad. they look like uh i watched it with jill and she said they look like the elf squad from santa claus the movie you know like the elves that e dot l dot v like oh yeah they yeah, look yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. just ridiculous kids in like jetpacks yeah those are ridiculous so anyway that's the police force I want to talk about a couple characters, if we could, real quick. I mean, Tom Cruise, we can talk about maybe when we get to the moral of the story. Okay. But Colin Farrell, as the bad guy, mm-hmm. upon rewatching, I was a little like, meh, on Colin I mean, Farrell. He's not really a bad he's guy. He's not really a bad guy. He's the antagonist. He's like the, the gadfly. He's not the antagonist. The, well, we, the, spo- we the, the spoiler yeah. is not, yeah, not at the end, but I, I just felt like him as an 
in the role he played in this movie, I was kind of meh. Like, he has a lot of weird lines. It feels like he's acting the whole time. Once Tom Cruise is on the run, well, right before he goes on the run, he breaks into Tom Cruise's apartment and he, he like watches a video of Tom Cruise's kid and he says, your daddy's in a lot of trouble. It's like, <laughs> you realize you're talking to this man's kidnapped deceased son. I'm like, this is super creepy for anybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Daddy's in a lot of trouble, Sean. He's not super believable or necessarily wanted in this movie. He does kind of feel like he is an obstacle for you and for Tom Cruise. Yeah, and I didn't feel I believed he could fight Tom Cruise in that car factory. He, He looked very skilled, and I didn't believe it. Okay, I have to say something right here because you brought up casting. And so I read in the trivia section that this film was going to be shot a few years earlier. Steven Spielberg did AI, right. artificial intelligence. What was that movie with uh, Haley Joel Osment? Yes, that's a good um, movie. And he had to rework the script of Minority Report. But <laughs> according to reports, it says, here's who could have been in this movie if it had happened then. Are you ready? Okay. So Tom Cruise, obviously still there. Sure, sure. Agatha, the precog, played by Kate Blanchett. Huh. That would have been interesting. Witwer the Colin Farrell character, played by Matt Damon. Mm. Burgess, yes. the the old guy, yeah. played by Ian McKellen. Uh, Ian McKellen. Wow. Okay. Gandalf. Yeah, that'd be hard. Coming in there. So I'm just saying, I think I could have used a little Matt Damon in there. I think Matt Damon would have been better but it might have just been a script thing but i do i liked so the one of the precogs obviously tom cruise breaks her out and becomes part of the movie agatha she's good she is good samantha morton like she has to be a little weird like because she's been sitting laying in milk this is this is one thing that there are a lot of things that aged poorly for me when watching this yeah yeah samantha morton taking the this acting performance to a 10 at all times. Right. Like, <laughs> at all times. Like, it's weird, and sometimes it's humorous. Like, I remember when she, like, talks quiet, and she says, like, you're going to have to run now. Right, right, right. It's so weird. It is like, weird. it's so weird, but, like, she's giving it all to this performance. <laughs> she is. And I still like it. I still like it. I believed it. Lamar Burgess, the owner and founder of Pre-Crime, he's super creepy. I think he does a great job. Yep. Love, yep. love his scenes. Dr. Iris Hinneman, played by Lois Smith, who is the weird lady in the greenhouse. It's, that is one of the weirdest scenes. She is perfect in this movie. She is so strange. Yes. She is so creepy. So creepy. That kiss she gives Tom Cruise there, unscripted yes. kiss. Unscripted? Unscripted. That's what was Tom Cruise's genuine reaction to being kissed by her. How great is that? What in the world are you thinking, Lois Smith? She wanted to kiss Tom Cruise. I mean, I guess the time to do it would be on camera. There's nothing he could do about it. <laughs> that, like, I forgot that kiss was about to happen. Uh-huh. And then they were talking real close. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a she minute. kisses him. But I loved everything about that scene. <laughs> like, she was just creepy to the max. All you have to do is download it, darling. 
do we have to go to romance corner real quick? There was a kiss. <laughs> I'm not sure if there was a ton of chemistry between, between Tom <laughs> no. Cruise. No, but I, I'm going I'm to flip it and reverse it on you for romance corner. I think Tom Cruise's ex-wife, who at late in, at the end of the movie, we see them back together again. Lara Anderton, played by Catherine Morris. I thought she was excellent in this movie, even though she had a small role. I think she was great in this. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure if I believe their chemistry together. No. I believe them as sort of separated and but caring about each other. Yes. Then at the end, they do the shorthand for like, we're happy because she's pregnant. Right. And he touches her belly and it's like, yeah, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, I thought she was great. In this yeah, movie. she was great. The last two I just had to touch on. Peter Stormari, who plays the eye doctor. <laughs> I don't know if you want to call him an eye doctor, but the <laughs> eye replacement surgeon. <laughs> I don't know, but. He is so over the top. He's over the top. But he's the, like wiping his nose. Oh, it's such a gross scene. And then he says that, that line about like, I'm going to be shooting so many antibodies. It is very gross, but for some reason, he's very impressionable. And so a dead cat in there, you would never get an infection. Not with a spectrum of antibodies, I'll be shooting into you. That's comforting. And finally, the organ player, oh, where they he's keep the, best. the prisons. He's the best. <laughs> when he says, "What's his name?" His name is Gideon. That's his character name, played by Tim Blake Nelson. He has a line right before when Tom Cruise asks, like, to get the video of the precog vision. He's like, "When you dig up the past, all you get is dirty." Nate, that might be my best impression on this show ever. I just that was that really up. good. Careful, Chief. You dig up the past, all you get is dirty. At some point in time, he also says the line, I can't believe we remember all Tim Blake Nelson's lines. You're not authorized. (laughs) So good. You're not authorized. Let's talk about a few plot points here and there. Okay. Because watching it now in 2021, there are some kind of some flimsy-ish things that go on in this movie. Sure. It's all like set up because Tom Cruise the the red ball comes in he's the the murderer yes the precogs have foreseen tom cruise murdering someone the whole thing about there being my a minority report which i'm not sure if i understood in the early 2000s what that actually meant probably not it's yeah it's if one of the precogs you know sees a different version so he goes it is pretty convoluted of a like moving through the the plot of this movie yeah feels kind of flimsy going from set piece to set piece Yes. Even now, like, it seems a little bit like, all right, we have to go get her report from somewhere, but we also need to physically have her take her to a place, go to where my ex-wife is, <laughs> like, yeah, f- all the time figuring out, getting these old videos of a different murder that's not the same, finding the Leo Crow guy. The Leo Crow guy oh, my word. has been paid to say that he abducted and killed a kid so that, I don't know, he could collect money. So his family gets money and Tom Cruise is convicted of murder, which, you know, he said a guy paid me. I assume it's Lamar Burgess, the old guy, because he ends up being the bad guy. Right. I guess he did it. But why Why would Lamar Burgess do that at all when Tom Cruise was like his best cop, biggest proponent of pre-crime? You know what I mean? Like, why did he even need to do that? Because he would figure out, yeah, the, the whole, yeah, because he would figure out the fact that like these minority reports exist 
and that would bring down the whole system. But I don't know why. But he didn't even know that was a thing until his murder was foreseen. And so maybe you thought, oh, John Anderton's so good. He's going to get to the bottom of this scene or something. I don't know. It just seems, I don't know. The whole, the the premise of why Lamar Burgess set him up, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What I'm saying is the plot of this movie, when you look directly at it, is not great. Yeah. The concept is great. Yes. And the thought of it, and I, once we get to the moral of the story, that is interesting, but yeah, I don't know. Well, and also, they, the movie cheats a lot because, like, one thing, when Tom Cruise is breaking back into pre-crime, he has his old eyeball in, like, a Ziploc bag. You wouldn't turn that off as soon as he's on the run? <laughs> the moment... <laughs> The moment he scans his eyeball, there should there would have been alarms going off everywhere. But everybody was cool, I guess, with Tom Cruise coming back in, even though he's being hunted. But then also, when Tom Cruise is walking with Agatha, the precog, through the mall, all of a sudden she seems to be able to see everything in the future because yeah. she's instructing him, like, wait here, balloon man, take the umbrella. Wait. And the wait. movie took... <laughs> Right. And the movie told us that they only see murders in the future. And so I feel like that whole sequence which that's the only time she does it i guess but that whole sequence seems weird i think they only see murders when they're sleeping when they're awake they just have regular precognition i think or a little bit like mild precognition that's why they keep them in the really creepy milk bath to keep them kind of sedated and sleepy. right which honestly like that's a whole like human rights thing (laughs) should we keep these three people totally sedated but then at the end of the movie they put them in this cabin in the woods and you know i have questions about is it a distance thing like if they're far away from people they don't see these things it seems strange i'm gonna ask you a question in a who wore it best Mm. uh, sort of mentality yes who did a better kind of see the future and use things minority report in the mall or paycheck with ben affleck and his little (laughs) envelope of trinkets i forgot most of paycheck so i'm gonna have to go with minority report (laughs) oh okay i mean it was cool i had the scene so confused in my mind i was ready for him to pull out like a a, like you know a paper clip from a a manila envelope turns Mm. out that's ben affleck and paycheck i gotcha oh also when the mall when agatha like puts her arm around a lady and she's like don't go home. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Don't go home. The moral of the story is that even though the precogs can foresee these murders, there is a chance that knowing your future, you can make the choice that there is actually free will and you don't have to kill the person that you've been foreseen uh-huh. to kill. Uh-huh. That is the premise. And we see that in the showdown with Tom Cruise and the guy who's playing Leo Crow, who fakes abducting his son. Goodbye, Crow. Goodbye, Crow. <laughs> that knowing his future, Agatha is even telling Tom Cruise this. How Agatha knows, I have no idea. But Agatha's like, you can choose. Like, just don't. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Tom Cruise did make the choice, that he changed his future because Leo Crow didn't die as the precogs foresaw. Right. He died. He shot himself. Or he, he forced shot him to shoot him. Yeah. Right. Nate. If this was actually a thing, mm-hmm. what and and pre-crime like early in the movie is like there's not been a murder in Washington D.C. in like ten years or whatever, so it seems like the system is working. Is it a worthwhile system to keep going, even if a few people are mis? 
apprehended. <laughs> well, are we are we ignoring the human rights violation of floating three kids in milky goo and taking away their life? Yes, we are ignoring okay. that for now because I think we can both agree that that's bad. That ain't great. <laughs> that's not great. Even if someone could see the future, you shouldn't sedate them and have a creepy guy brush their teeth for them. So you're saying you're feeling a little Lamar Burgess here. Um, I think by haloing people and putting them into we'll call it the underwear stacks i think that if they had the possibility to not do it i do think it's not worth it because as soon as you call into question if you're actually going to go through with it then it's like i wasn't going to murder that person and i think that sort of goes to the reasonable doubt or like the potential doubt yeah that you almost have to if you're gonna keep the whole system alive you have to somehow get it so that they are literally a split second from the murder like you have to be able to like slow down time or like they just pull the trigger and you freeze them and then arrest them or like the guy with the scissors is like swinging it towards her when you stop him like you have to somehow like make it so that like they are in the act of doing the murder when you arrest them and halo them otherwise i think there's enough doubt i think you can't do it yeah so one of one of the things about this movie is it came out before smartphones and like the pervasive nature of phones that we have today. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if this movie was remade, everyone would have a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And so here's 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 what I think pre-crime should be: that they see, they foresee the murder, they find out who it is, and then they they give them a call. <laughs> okay, they, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. They, all right, they, welcome they say, to the improv acting theater. <clears throat> you are going to be. You're going to play Jad. Because let's be honest, I'm Jed. You are definitely the you're definitely the Jad in this movie. <laughs> you the are Jed. the Luther Stickle. Yeah. I will play the guy who is going to just kill somebody. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> bring, yeah okay. Bring, bring. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. This is Jad from Pre Crime. Did, did you say Judd? No, it's sorry. It's Jad. Is this Nate Bear now? Jack. It's Jack. It, it doesn't matter. Okay. Nate, I need to. You need to stop what you're doing. Where are, is there anyone around you right now? No, I'm just walking down the street with a pair of scissors. Okay. Like I usually do. <laughs> Nate Baranowski, yes. this is I'm from Pre Crime. I don't know if you've heard of Pre Crime, but we can I have force heard of Pre Crime from all of the billboards. Yeah, we have a lot of billboards. We spend a lot of ad dollars. Listen, you're about to murder someone with that pair of scissors in your hands. What about my Nokia phone? Am I going to use this as well? No, just the scissors, not okay, the phone. Okay. Nate Baranowski, but you I, have a choice now. But I don't want to kill anybody. Well, you don't think you want to, but someone's going to do something so bad. That you're going to want to kill them. Okay. What you need to, now that you know, now that you know Uh that you're about to kill somebody, you can make a choice. Yes. You can turn 180 degrees and start walking the opposite direction. Okay. Or continue on your current path and literally murder someone and go to jail because we know where you are. Okay. I'll turn around. Should I drop my scissors? That would be a great idea, Nate. Thank you. Yes. Please drop the scissors, turn around and start walking the opposite direction. The other scissors pair in my pocket. Should I drop them too? Yeah, please. (laughs) Please drop all scissors and all weapons. Even my holster scissors? Okay, fine. Please drop all weapons, anything sharp. You walk the opposite direction. And just so you know, we're going to be keeping a very, very close eye on you for about the next six months. Okay, sounds good. No murdering today. All right, thank you. I appreciate it. This is Jad from Pre-Crime. Uh, there's going to be a survey after I hang up the phone, and we would appreciate Sorry, it if you I, could give us a five-star I don't have time rate. for that, Judd. Got to go. <laughs> all right, that was good. That was good. <laughs> that was pretty and good. Scene. I feel like that would be better. <laughs> I think that would be uh, yeah, better. Unless... Yes. 
the precog saw that you'd make that call. Oh my god. And that going the other direction is what led you to the murder. Wow. That they don't seem that sophisticated in it. But yes, no, I'm with no, you. I think they need to they need to get at least a text alert that says you're going to commit a mur- murder in 5 <laughs> minutes. I need you to sit down. Put your hands on your head and wait for six minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do After not After that move. time is gone, other than that, we will halo you and put you in the underwear stacks where a guy <laughs> plays organ to you. If you want that life, keep going. If not, you're going to need to sit on your hands for six minutes. That's right. Anyway, it's super creepy throughout this movie, but let's go into moral of the story because I have a problem here. And that's this. Yes. Fun thing about, you know, are you predetermined to do something? Do you have free will? Can you make a choice? But... I don't think the moral is applicable to anything for us, the viewers. No. Because when I think about it, the only thing that the moral of the story is, is this. If you are able to see your own future, you can change it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, I can't see my own future because this is not real. So what do you want me to do? Like, how do we... Because Philip K. Dick... Always has cautionary tales in his stories. Like, always like, oh, can you believe it? And maybe the only purpose is, hey, when we have an overreach of, like, authoritarian policing that potentially they could take away your right to commit murder. I don't know. Like, what is this? Like, what is the moral for us, the viewers, that we're supposed to take away from this? Like, don't trust max von sidow or like i think what is it it must be that the future is not written in stone like a real you know kind of fortune cookie-esque oh, like a real like you can change like today's the first day of the rest of your life <laughs> live laugh love like if you make concerted efforts today you could be different in the future or something okay i don't know something like that all right so listen Nate, let's rate this movie on a scale of one of the weirdest futuristic things, zero to five singing cereal boxes that Tom Cruise throws across his apartment. Mm. <laughs> Nate, what are you going to give? Oh, is it my turn? It's you. I need, I need to, I'm conflicted, okay. so I'm, I'm actually kind of <sighs> leaning on you here. I'm going to give Minority Report three singing cereal boxes. Nate, I think it's. I think it deserves three cereal boxes. It's still kind of a fun watch. It's weird. It's Steven Spielberg-y, but it's got Tom Cruise. It's got some fun action sequences. It's got things that'll make you think. So I'm down for it. I might see it again one day, but not soon. This is not like Unbreakable where I'd see it one like right after. I need some. I need a little bit of distance for this one, but I'll give it a solid three. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking two and a half on this one. I was really actually disappointed mm. the second time through yeah because it did not age well for me no like i thought the plot wasn't as interesting as i remember the iconic moments were a little hokier than i remembered like even like the comeuppance of lamar burgess when he's like talking to him with his hood on it's like ah this is not as like this angry john anderton like is not as believable as i don't know the motivations are strange yeah also Janusz Kaminski, cinematographer from this movie, he was told by Steven Spielberg, create, quote, the ugliest, dirtiest movie either had ever made. (laughs) And let me just say, I think he might have succeeded because this movie is not fun to look at. It is like so grayed up, overexposed. So grainy. Real grainy. 
it's meant to just be like this ugly it's not slick so yeah two and a half for me i was really excited to show jill this movie i was really hoping that because she had never seen it yeah i was like oh man i'm so excited to show it and uh she was pretty disappointed with it and i was felt like man i've remembered it being better too so two and a half for me minority report listeners let us know what you thought how did it fare in your rose colored glasses you can comment on our instagram post at movies on the side you can also support the show and get bonus episodes every week you can do that at patreon.com slash movies on the side or right there on apple Podcasts. you can do a free trial listen to some bonus episodes for free and then sign up if you would like if you haven't yet we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review in apple podcasts and as we always say sometimes in order to see the light you have to risk the dark it sounds like it's from the dark night more than it is minority report (laughs) in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> that's so weird. There's a lot of like weird, they have to be pulled from this. Story. Oh, that is true. That's true.